Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I'm an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, is the meat dress to my Joe Calderon, Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? I'm I'm good. How are you? You ready for the VMAs? Um... Oh, so ready, because I will be live. Well, not live, but I mean, I'll be alive. I will be living. You'll definitely be alive. I'll be alive. Because I mean, I'm not. That's a, cool. If I were a corpse on the carpet, that would be really great. That would be strange, yeah. I will, I will be on the red carpet for Billboard.com with a video crew on Sunday recording stuff for Billboard, and uh, I'll be there with bells on. So, yeah. Yes. So, the MTV Video Music Awards this Sunday night, August 24th, and Keith, like you said, We'll be there, and we will have a special Pop Shop podcast on Monday afternoon, recapping all the action and incorporating some interviews that you did on the red carpet. So that'll be a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. So I tune hope in so. Monday. <laughs> no, it'll be no. I, I'm I know so, Keith. Keith, did you also know? I, I I'm not sure that you know this, but I know this. Did you know what today is? This this Pop Shop podcast we're recording right now. Um, maybe. It is our 50th episode, man. Oh, happy we anniversary. We did 50 of these things. What's the 50th anniversary? Is that is that gold? Is that is that charts? Is that is that the chart anniversary? Is um, that the is yeah. that the magazine anniversary? I don't know. I am going to say gold. So, um, congrats to you, man. Always always bringing that chart firepower. Now is this now is this week. counting all of the like offshoot and and Yes, that's branded? this is counting the Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza. Oh, see, I wasn't there for all of them, but it's well, you, baby. You're you there know. for all 50 of them. Ah, uh, thanks, man. Well, you know what? We got a lot to talk about today on the 50th episode of the Pop Shop podcast. Ariana Grande and Iggy Azalea are kind of ruling the Hot 100 chart. Kinda. We'll talk about <laughs> kinda, kinda, sorta, definitely ruling the Hot 100 chart. We'll talk about why. And we'll talk about Troy Sivan debuting in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 albums chart after only a few days of being on sale with his first EP. Yep. We, and later in the show, we have a very special interview with Robin and Roiksop, the Swedish pop princess and Norwegian electronic duo stopped by to talk about their current tour and some new music they're working on. So uh, one of my favorites, Robin, and love Roiksop as well. So can't wait to get to that. Keith, uh, you know what we have to start with, though. Um, we're gonna. You got to shake it off. You got to shake it off, man. Shake off, shake off that rust. Shake off all the Taylor haters. Swift. Yeah. Shake off the haters, man, because Taylor Swift is back. She debuted her new single, "Shake It Off," on Monday afternoon. It is the first single from her fifth album, "1989," which is coming out October 27th. 
And, you know, we, t- we talked about, first, we're not going to really talk about the song too much because we already talked about it ad nauseum on bilber.com. And actually on the Must Hear Music podcast, we talked about it. Uh, check that out as well on bilber.com. What, what do you think of the song, Keith? I like the way you say it. We're not going to talk about it much. But Keith, what do you think? Um, yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I Very should, enthusiastic. <laughs> sorry. No, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I was talking to this uh, with someone earlier, um, not you, uh, obviously, but I was talking to someone and we were talking about how, you know, her songs are still, you know, personal and coming from a point in her life, you know, where she's talking about herself, but at the same time, the songs are still universal. So, you know, she can sing songs like We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together or I knew you were trouble or shake it off where we know that they are about her life but at the same time they're sort of things that happen to everyone and shake it off yes is very specific to her but at the same time it's a universal thing or it's just like you know what shake off shake off the haters don't pay attention to people that are trying to keep down just shake it off move on it's cool and and that's why you know the songs are personal but they're also universal Totally agree. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing about this song. It's people I saw on Twitter, a lot of eye rolling about uh, Taylor Swift, the most beloved, you know, music superstar of our generation is is shaking off the haters. But at the same time, I mean, she's making songs for kids to sing along to, for teens and college kids to shout along to. And, and like you said, this has to do with people who kind of slam her for everything from, you know, the tabloid rumors to her, you know, award show acceptance face. And, you know, in very broad terms and using pop music, she's she's telling them to back off and she's shaking off all of that kind of criticism. Everyone, I, I love the song. Everyone is flawed. Every single person is flawed. Except you. All those people on Twitter who are eye rolling, the you know, virtual eye rolls, all the YouTube commenters, you know, Earl Sweatshirt, um, uh, everyone that is has has a problem, you know, with with Taylor Swift, they all have their own set of problems and issues too, and exactly. everyone is 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 not you know uh, is is a target, and so no one's perfect, nobody's perfect, and except you, except you, <laughs> the chart the chart master. Just Taylor has a larger magnifying glass on her because <laughs> she is Taylor Swift, and everything she does is just magnified, you know. Absolutely. No, I, I, it, it took me about two listens to really get on board with the song. It was kind of a jarring listen at first, uh, just because it's so straight up pop. Especially but, with like the weird, like sort of rappy interlude. I'm like, hmm, well, all right. Very, to- very Tony, uh, very, very Mickey, uh, I think, um, to me. I, I, I mean, obviously she kind of sends that up in the video with a cheerleader bit, but very, very Mickey to me. Um, Keith, yeah. so now that we've talked about Shake It Off, our impressions of it, we got to talk about how this song is going to do on the chart. I mean, this, this is a chart-focused podcast, and people want to know how well this song could do on the Hot 100 chart. So it's not; it doesn't debut on this week's Hot 100 no, chart. No, which correct? is a little surprising, actually. Um, okay. Because I thought, I thought, and I wrote a story about this on, on um, whatever day the, the thing premiered. Monday. Monday. Um, Monday I wrote a story sort of projecting that the song would probably debut in it, somewhere in the lower part of the Hot 100 today, or we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, this week on the Hot 100, and then probably jump to a really high position next week once the sales and streaming have kicked in. Because the way the Hot 100 works is that it's based on airplay streams and sales. The sales and streaming week for the Hot 100 runs Monday through Sunday, whereas the airplay week 
uh, runs Tuesday through Wednesday. So we thought that the airplay for Taylor just on Monday and Tuesday would be enough to get her onto the chart today, yeah. uh, Wednesday, but it didn't work out that way. So what this could mean is that she could debut at number one straight in next week um, based upon the full week of airplay sales and streams. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah so a number one debut on the Hot 100 is at least possible. Um, and, you know, this is something that we don't really see that often on this chart. How many songs have debuted at number one in the history of the Hot 100? Um, in total, uh, just 22. So 22, and the, the Hot 100 is, what, 58 years old, I believe? Uh, it started in uh, August of 1958. So, yeah, it's, well... 56, I'm 56 sorry. years old. Yeah, I just turned 56. Okay, so only 22 songs in 56 years have debuted at yep. number and one. The, and the last debut at number one was Bowers' Harlem Shake back in March of 2013 uh, when it when that song went viral. And we yes. and that was the first week that we started using YouTube streams into the Hot 100. So that pushed it to a number one debut. Um, and before that, the last number one debut was Katy Perry's Part of Me a year previous. So it really happens infrequently. It's a lot harder to have a really, really high, like super high debut. You can still debut in the top 10, but a number one debut is really hard to come by. Yeah. So is it harder to debut now than it was? Uh, I'm sorry, harder to debut at number one on the Hot 100 now than it was five years ago, just given all of the new chart rules with streaming yes. and, and YouTube. So it is harder to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, between like between like 2000, you know, in the 90s, we had a lot of number one debuts because of the way the the chart methodology worked at the time. Um, and I won't go into it in too much detail, but uh it was it was a little it was a little bit easier and and artists and labels could could um really kind of work it in a way where they would like withhold a single from being released to to um as a single as a commercial single it'd be on the radio for weeks and weeks and weeks and building up airplay and then they'd, they'd finally release it as a commercial single and then that huge rush of sales would send the song debuting at number one even though this song had been like a hit on the radio for like two months. So there were those kind of debuts in number one. And then in the 2000s, we had a lot of number one debuts from American Idols um, because they would have a huge week after they were crowned and they would put out a single in the same week. And that single sales would send Clay Aiken and Fantasia and Carrie yeah. and everyone all to number one. And then in more recent years, um, it's, it's much more isolated. It has to be like the right time in the right place and usually it's the lead single from a new project so britney spears has debuted at number one twice uh she did it with three and hold it against me lady gaga's born this way debuted at number one yeah it happens infrequent just because now you have to it's not just about sales and airplay but it's also about the streams and it's really hard to get all of the numbers on your side now and so that's why if taylor does debut at number one it'll not only be historic but also you know a pretty difficult feat to do period. I mean, it'll still be difficult for Taylor to do it regardless. Um, if she does it, it'll be amazing. And if she doesn't do it, we shouldn't say, oh, she couldn't do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> it's really hard to do. Totally, totally. I mean, but th at the same time, it seems like this song release, this launch of Shake It Off is has kind of been strategized for a, a huge one, one week kind of chart debut because you, th you think of all the different factors to the rollout. It debuted worldwide on Monday afternoon. It wasn't, you know, it hadn't leaked before that. Right. No one heard Shake It Off before that. So there was an immediate impact on that end. 
You also have the simultaneous music video debut on Monday because she launched the launched the song, and then um, like minutes later launched the music video is um, uh, immediately available on Vivo and YouTube, and then in a couple of days she's going to perform this song on the Video Music Awards, and you got to figure that even though it'll be only a couple hours Sunday night, people are going to you know millions of people are going to watch that and want to download this song. Well, you also figure that most people that are watching the VMAs probably already know who Taylor Swift is and probably are already aware of the song existing. So I'm not sure that they perform it. I don't know. I mean, you're you're playing to your audience already. So I I I hear you, but I'm not sure how much it'll move the needle on a Sunday night. Um, you are you are playing to your audience, but just in case anyone kind of missed that live stream, hasn't been really paying attention to music sites. There, you know, hasn't been paying attention to the fact that Taylor Swift has this brand new. <laughs> I know exactly, or maybe, or maybe they're like, "Oh, Taylor Swift hasn't, you know, has a new song out, but I haven't heard it yet." And then they're watching the VMAs and they they get in contact with it. Um, right. Speaking of which, what other VMAs performances? And we're going to talk about the VMAs a whole lot next week. But just uh, we got a couple days before Sunday night. What other VMAs performances do you think could make an impact on the charts uh, in the coming weeks? Well, I think, I mean, they, they just announced uh, Jesse J, Nicki Minaj, and Ariana Grande are going to do Bang. Yeah, doing Bang Bang. They're going to yeah. do Bang Bang. And I think the video for Bang Bang will premiere that same night, right? I think. I, I'm not sure about that, but I did see that they are performing the song. So, I mean, that, that could really help um, yeah. the song because Bang Bang, you know, is top 10 and that could help it. But of course, you're contending with Taylor Swift, who. <laughs> Is probably be number one. Oops. Um, I think those are the two um, that could really, you know, have you know threaten number one. Um, Ariana Grande also has a performance slot on her own, correct? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. And depending on what she performs, I'm assuming she'll probably do. I eat. think she's doing Break Free. I think yeah. that's been announced. So Break Free and that song is top ten already on the Hot 100. Has a big jump this week. Um, it's one of a number of singles that Ariana has in the top 10 this week. So I think those are the performances, but the VMAs are always, you know, they can really move the needle on some songs and then some things don't really go anywhere. So it really depends on the performance. That really is the interesting part of the VMAs to me because I remember a couple of years ago, I believe it was Adele yes. who did Someone Like You. Which caused and, it to go to number one, basically. And yeah, and you think about uh, you think about ahead of time, you know, oh, Adele's performing, oh, Someone Like You, a ballad. and But it, it was such a powerful performance that it just connected and went to number one. I, I mean, I think, I believe Sam Smith is also performing this year. Um, I, I think that's right, right? Yes, and he is. He, he, yeah. he was announced uh, like two days ago, I think. Yeah, was, so, yeah. I mean, hey, man, maybe stay with me. It's been in the top five for a while, but you know, maybe he has a, a gospel choir behind him. It's it's a, a super cheer jerker performance. Could be. He sings, it to, he sings it to a man on stage. Uh, it could be a, a moment. It could be a moment. It could for be. Sure. And, and he's he actually falls this week on the Hot 100. Stay with me moves two to three, loses its bullet, has a decline. Um, because Megan Trainer jumps ahead of him, go, going four to two with all about that base. They're both still stuck behind Magic's Rude. Um, so you know, who knows? Sam Smith could pull out like an amazingly emotional, you know, thing that goes viral on Sunday night and give the song breathe new life into it. But they're all contending with that woman named Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, and again, she's performing as well. It's going to be interesting to see what are the real standouts of this VMAs show. Um, so that that's a perfect segue over to the Hot 100. Like you said, Megan Trainor is all about that bass. 
up to number two. Um, thanks again to Megan Trainer. She was on last week's Pop Shop podcast. That was a lot of fun. So check that out if you haven't listened already. And yeah, like you said, Taylor Swift. I, I mean, this song, all about that bass, has been going up and up. It was in the top five for the first time last week. Now it's up number four to number two. It all signs point to number one, but you know, someone named Taylor Swift might block her yeah. from getting that number one. But lots of wonderful songs have stalled at number two. So you know, if it's only number two, two is still pretty amazing. It's a, it's unbelievable Silver for this lining. song. Like how quickly this song has risen on the hot one. I, I think what is it only in? It's like sixth week or sixth something. Week. Just crazy. Sixth week. Crazy. Um, it, it's worth noting that Taylor Swift only has one other number one single. Yeah. On the Hot 100. I think most people assume that she's had like a million number ones, and um, she hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Just we are never ever getting back together. I can't believe. I knew your trouble was not number one. That song was. Oh my god. That it song went to was number two. Everywhere. Um, yeah. And, and while you're talking, I'll look up what it was stuck behind. It was probably stuck behind something like enormous that. Yeah, it was really inescapable. Hmm. I'm um, trying to think back to when that Actually, was. only spent one week at number two, and it was stuck behind Bruno Mars's Locked Out of Heaven. You can kind uh, of understand that. Yeah, yeah. that was that's understandable. That, that's Okay, so, so elsewhere in the uh, upper reaches of the Hot 100, we teased it at the top of the show. Ariana Grande and Iggy Zalia are basically ruling. They're running the world right now. Yeah. And we say that because Ariana Grande's Break Free featuring Zed uh, bullets into the top 10 this week it was i believe it moves number 18 to number four yep, so it has a huge four. jump yeah meanwhile iggy azalea who has a, a strong contender for song in summer with fancy her follow-up single black widow is now in the top 10 um number eight yep so before we we talk about why the in fact they are ruling all of our worlds um are these jumps all thanks to the music video debuts, Keith, or is yes. is radio really picking up on these? Uh, so it is the music video. Yeah, it's well. I mean, they're they're all still gaining, you know, in terms of airplay. But it was both it was because the the videos came out uh, last week. So Break Free is actually the we we have these awards that we give out on the chart each week for the greatest gainer in terms of which one were the the. the biggest gainers on the chart in terms of streaming and airplay and sales. Sure. Break Free is the biggest gainer in terms of streaming. Um, it had a 73%. Oh, wait, no, that's wrong. Um, it had a 73% gain in overall chart points, but 193% gain in streams. And then Black Widow had 163% gain in streams. It's still up in uh, sales. It's also up in air, in airplay. Ariana's Break Free is up in sales and airplay as well. So they're up in all metrics, but it was really the video that pushed them into the top 10 this week. So Ariana Grande... Three songs in the top ten right now with problem, break free, and bang bang. Um, yeah, and Iggy. and then yeah, and Iggy has three three songs in the top ten. Two Fancy, women. Yeah. Black Widow, and Problem. Two women each have three songs in the top ten. So, and one of those songs they share a credit on. Um, problem, Ariana featuring yeah. Iggy. So, two women have half of or have you know have have half of the songs in the top ten this week. That's it. it insane to me is that a record well i i'm unsure about the you know when was the last time two people had half the songs in the top 10 what i can tell you is that with each of them having three songs in the top 10 this week concurrently they are only the third and fourth women in history to have ever had three out of the top 10 previously adele did it in 2012 uh, after the grammy awards and then before that, Ashanti did it. Now, what's yes? Unique, what's yes? What's unique about um, Ariana's achievement this week is that 
all three of her singles that are in the top 10 are where she is the lead artist. Um, you know, many songs on the chart are so-and-so featuring someone, um, but and, and that's how oftentimes you can get an artist that will achieve many, many chart hits because they are a featured act, like Lil Wayne is featured on a million different songs. Um, yeah. Ashanti, for example, when she had three songs in the top 10, it was because she was the featured act on at least one or two of those songs, I believe. So Ariana, though, all three of her songs are where she's the lead artist, uh, Break Free, uh, problem and bang bang because even though bang bang has three women on it they all share equal billing yeah, none of them are yeah. featured that is very specific i got yelled i got yelled at uh for that because the, when we posted that story it was we posted it as jesse J featuring ariana grande yeah. and Nicki minaj and then someone called me and yelled at me and said no they're all featured as main artists i'm like all right it's all a, right it's i'm sure it's a contractual thing they're all equally for billed. sure and um, whereas Iggy Azalea's achievement is still incredible, um, one of those songs is where she is the featured artist. That's that's Ariana's song "Problem" featuring Iggy Azalea. So if we just focus on lead artists, yeah, um, Ariana is the only is only the second woman behind Adele. Behind Adele, because all all yeah. three of Adele, Adele has never been featured on on. Well, she may have, but the three songs that she had in the top ten that week were all her own songs. So. Um, it's kind of just Ariana's world right now, and we're living in it. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, and that isn't even—and that isn't even all the songs that she has on the chart this week. She has another song, her new single with uh, what's I think it's a teaser track with Big, Big Sean. With yeah. Big Sean that debuts this week. Best mistake debuts at number forty-nine. So, so she's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, we—I—we've I th- talked about uh, in the past few weeks about how there's kind of a split in the song of the summer between. Magic's rude and Iggy Azalea's fancy in in terms of what will define this summer season, and it's a, a little bit of a silly debate, but it's it's fun to have. But I I think it is, you know, definitively this summer belongs to Iggy Azalea and Ariana Grande. I mean, if you just look at the charts, if you look at the the just the breadth of of the s- amount of chart hits they have, all. These these three women have multiple songs in the top ten. They both have three songs in the top ten right now, and it's 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 a little bit mind boggling because you think about even a year ago. I mean, Ariana was still getting set up with her debut album. Iggy Azalea was still trying to find a hit. Now they they've completely dominated summer of twenty fourteen. You are correct. Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> I went in. Let's do it. Um, all right. So before we get to Robin and Royce up, I, I want to quickly shift over, uh, make a couple notes on the Billboard 200 albums chart. Um, Keith, we've been talking ourselves about Troy Sivan a little bit at the Billboard offices. Uh, who is this kid? Where did he come from? Is he the real deal? Is he Sean Mendez, the next one? Is he bigger than Sean Mendez? So Troy Sivan debuts at number five this week with his debut EP. Uh, Sean Mendes also had a, a top 10 EP debut and so let's let's break this down a little bit Keith Troy Sivan number five and particularly impressive because this, this came out on Friday right yeah so Troy Sivan's EP and I'm not sure how to pronounce it because it's it's five letters T-R-X T-R-X-Y-E so it might be Trixie or T-R-X-Y-E I'm not really sure um, if someone knows tweet at Keith and, and me so we know because we uh, don't want to embarrass ourselves in like editorial meetings yeah um, Trixie it, oh boy um, so Troy Savon he's a 19 year old YouTuber um, 
And we're seeing more and more um, sort of uh, folks coming from Vine and YouTube charting. We've had actually quite a few of them in the, in the past few months. Sean Mendes was one of them. Jacob Whitesides was another one. Um, Troy Savon is a little bit different in that um, he's from Australia. Well, I think he was born in South Africa, and he lives in Australia now. He's 19. Yep. Um, he's got millions of followers and subscribers on YouTube and Twitter. Um, and he is a singer and actor. Um, if you saw, I think it was the um, one of the X-Men Wolverine movies, he played a young Wolverine. Um, I did not know that, really? He, he was the kid version uh, of, of Wolverine, I believe. Um, so Google that. Um, I know I, I, I saw that on an IMDb list. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure he was in that movie. And then I saw the, the screen cap. I'm like, oh, you were him? Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, and, but I think he's, he's more sort of no, known for his YouTube stuff. Like he has a channel and he posts like funny videos where he's just talking to the camera. But I guess like a year or so ago, he, he released a song, um, that was inspired by the Fault in Our Stars, uh, the book before the movie came out. That song went, kind of went viral on Tumblr and SoundCloud, had tons and tons of views, and I think it perhaps led to his signing with EMI Australia, the record label uh, EMI Australia. And then he kept it a secret that he was signed uh, to a label for a year until like a month and a half ago when he announced it, and he announced his EP that was coming at the same time. Um, so the album, the EP, debuts at number five on the Billboard 200. It sold thirty thousand copies. It was, and that's only from three days of sales because the EP actually came out on Friday. And our sales week ends on Sunday. It's unusual for albums to be released on any day except Tuesday. That is the traditional album release day in the United States. But the album was released on Friday in order to sync up its release date globally. Um, and Friday is the day that albums are released in Australia, where he's based out of. So that makes sense. He wanted to make sure it was a day and date release that none of the territories were left out and that there was no piracy involved so that everyone would get it at the same time. Um, so it's pretty impressive that after only three days, it debuts at number five. 30,000 sold, and um, you should check it out. I listened to the whole album last week. I really liked it. Um, it's kind of, some people are saying that he's kind of like like Lord-esque in a way. Where yeah, it's, it's no, like, I've, I've, I've listened to it too, and yeah. I, I also really enjoy it. Um, that's, and, all, that's all I've got to say. I won't, I'm, I've, I've kind of blathered a little bit too much. I apologize. Hey, hey, no worries, man. I, I mean, I, I think that it's just, it's very, very impressive to me that, like, like you said, only three days on sale, number five debut. Could could it have gone number one if it had been released last Tuesday? Mm, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, number one this week sold 93,000. It was the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, which spends a second week at number one. Um, I'm not sure that he would have had enough momentum, even if there was a full week behind him to have hit number one. He probably would have sold a little bit more, but I think the first week, most of it were actually probably a lot of pre-orders from iTunes because he has such a fervent fan base of people that probably pre-ordered the, the thing. And I think most people aren't aware of who he is yet because he has no radio picture. The radio isn't playing him yet. Um, you know, he's he's just starting out. He's, he's, he's a brand new artist and he's arriving this high because of his core fan base. So we will naturally see this thing drop next week, but that's that's completely natural. And it will, have, if they can get the radio going and the singles going and get a look for him on TV shows and stuff, then the thing will move back up. But it's a really impressive debut considering his background. Yeah. Very cool. Well, congrats to Troy and his whole team. That is, like you said, very impressive. Um, and one last note, uh, Robin Williams with two albums in the top 100. We talked a little bit about his chart history last week uh, after he passed away last Monday. Uh, Keith, do you want to quickly recap this? 
Yeah, uh, so so Robin Williams is actually at numbers 63 and 69 on the Billboard 200 this week. Um, 63 is his album Weapons of Self-Destruction. Um, it's a comedy album. And yes. uh, number 69 is the old album, I think it's from 1986, called A Night at the Met. It's a live stand-up show. Uh, the album actually never charted. Uh, until this week. Both albums uh, sold, well, the first album sold about 5,000 copies. It sold basically nothing the previous week. And A Night at the Met sold about 4,000, up from nothing the, the week previous. Um, so, and he's also, if you, if those that are listening, uh, if you visit our Kid uh, Digital Songs chart, um, he has a couple songs on that chart as well this week uh, from the movie Aladdin, uh, Friend Like Me and Prince Ali. Uh, both uh, sold pretty well last week as well after his passing. Do you have uh, Netflix, Keith? Uh, I don't. You do not? Well, it, it's funny because ever since Robin Williams passed away, you look in the, the um, most popular, they have like a little scroll. And every week there's like Jumanji and uh, World's Greatest Dad and The Birdcage. So... It's been interesting to see people kind of reconsuming Robin Williams material, uh, uh, not only his movies, but as you said, his comedy albums as well. So um, that's uh, that's an interesting note, Keith. So let, let's um, let's move on. We we have to get to Robin and Royksop again. Robin, the long-running uh, Swedish pop singer, songwriter, an amazing artist, and she teamed up with Norwegian production duo Royksop who are you know incredible in their own right uh, they are also long running for a mini album together they released it in May it's called Do It Again it's five songs it's it's wonderful really and, and they're currently promoting it on tour they have uh, it's a co-headlining tour but they're also uh, working on new music new material separately uh, Robin has a new solo EP coming which is very exciting I think she's going to finish that up when she gets off the tour and Royce Soap tells us that a new album is coming in November. So we talked to them uh, earlier this week uh, after they did the tonight show and good morning America. They they've been busy, man. Um, so we talked about all of what is going on with them, the tour, the new music, etc. So check out Robin and Royce up right now on the pop shop podcast. One more time. I talked to you guys a couple months ago about the creation of this project, but I, I want to ask again, like, it, just in terms of that decision to really go headfirst into a full mini album, like Do It Again is, were there any reservations about that? Or was it just so natural working together that you were like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's make it a, a project, the three of us. I mean, it was something that kind of happened as we went along. Um, so we weren't really discussing what it was going to be when we started out. Um, we had said a long time that we wanted to make more music together, and when we all had a little bit of time, we we made time to to be in the studio, and um, we just started making music without really knowing what it would become. And then after making a couple of songs, we felt like this could become something different than just or not just, but usually we make songs for a particular album and this became its own entity in a way uh, as we were making it. And, and artistically there were no reservations, just to have said that. We, uh, yeah, that's one of the, uh, that was the one sort of thing, one dogma that we had 
no 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 plans and no no reservations or restrictions just yeah, do whatever we wanted to do yeah. which obviously the uh, two sort of nine to ten minute tracks on the album is a clear evidence of that sort of mentality I mean, you're never sure if you're actually doing what you want to do because everyone is a, like a, you know, all human beings are exposed to things that definitely influence you and mani manipulate you in some way or another. But I think the environment that we were in when we made this music, we felt like we were doing things from a very um, free place. And um, we weren't talking about it really, we were just... You know, we're talking about it with each other, but we weren't telling other people about it that much. We were just exploring things. So the, the shows have been going great, uh, and I I I want to uh, point out that Robin, you've played some new music on on this uh, on this tour, uh, a couple new songs. What led to the decision to unveil these this new? I mean, you're already promoting Do It Again. What made you decide this is this is the right time and place for a couple new songs to get out there? Um. Well, I felt like I didn't want to really go on tour if I didn't have any new material of my own to play. So, um, but I wanted to tour with Sven and Tobian, and I wanted to, um, you know, play for, for my audience again. And I had been making this music for a while together with Marcus Jägerstedt, who's in my band, and um, a producer named Christian Falk, uh, who sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago um but we've started we started making this um ep that it's going to become about one and a half years ago and so it felt really uh good to be able to first play new music for for my audience but also um kind of see what ha what would happen with these songs if i started playing them live before they were done and because christian was so sick too it was a way of um I don't know, staying close to him in a way uh, while traveling uh, away from him. Um, and it's, an, it's a record that I'm going to finish as soon as we come off tour and it's going to be released as soon as possible. This new music is going to be part of an EP that you're going to finish. Well, I'm, I'm curious, so this is, you had a mini album and um, Body Talk was obviously a collection of albums that be kind, of, kind of became part one, part two, and then the Body Talk project. Um, why why go down the EP route in, instead of releasing uh, a proper album? Um, I, I came off tour with the last uh, albums, and we uh, I think we were all in the same space, and we were in between records. And I I really didn't feel like I had a a solo album in me. So starting collaborations with other people was a way of getting back into writing without really having a, a you know this structured or strategic way of thinking about the result um, so I've been I've been um, entertaining that thought or that way of thinking about my my way of working for like a long time now but I think this was the right moment for me to really put it into like action and the first thing was what we've been doing together but now I'm continuing other projects with other people and then eventually I'll start my own album maybe yeah. next year um, what what is the status of of the next work so project? Oh yeah, 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 sure, sure. Yeah, no, keep them busy. The benefits of ADHD. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, we um, we um, we uh, we're releasing an album uh, this November. Uh, it is called the the inevitable end, and uh, it's something that we sort of made or worked on simultaneously as we 
did this mini album with Robin. So they are kind of in the same vein, uh, but yet different. But we, in, in terms of the mental state or whatever you want to call it, the time and space that we were uh, in at that given point in our collective lives, uh, it's, uh, it has a certain resemblance to what we're doing now, but obviously uh, not the same. So Robin of Roy Soap's co-headlining tour runs through the end of August, and like I said, can't wait to hear new music from both of them. Thanks again to Robin and Roy Soap for stopping by the Pop Shop podcast. Uh, Keith, do you have a favorite Robin song? Uh, ooh, not really. <laughs> you don't have a favorite Robin song? Come on, I feel like I feel like you're a big Robin fan. Mm, no, no, no. Eh? No, hey, that's okay. Uh, I'll send you some Robin uh, when we get off the phone. Um, but until then, Keith, it is your, it is, it is, it is, it, it is, is time. It, it is. is, it is. I was stuck on rewind for a sec. It is, it is time, time for your, your chart, chart, stat, stat of the week, week. <laughs> Do, 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 do. Yes, it is time. And I thought I would do something a little different for the chart stat of the week. Well, a little different, but okay. still pretty cool. <laughs> like the way I undersell it and oversell it. Um, I just wanted to focus on um, sort of a historical look at who has had the most top 10 singles on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. You know, not talking about a particular week in history, just overall performance on the Billboard Hot 100. We talked about earlier the Hot 100 uh, actually turned 56 years 56 years old earlier this month. Uh, it started on, in August of 1958, and I think you could probably guess who has the most top 10 hits ever on the Billboard Hot 100. But I'm going to ask you anyways, just because it might be fun to see if you get the right answer. So, who has had the most top 10 hits on the Billboard Hot 100 chart? I gotta say, the, I gotta say the Beatles. You would actually be wrong. Oh, really? They have um, the second most top 10 hits. Um, that's a good question, man. Um, I'm going to say... Who's bigger than the Beatles? Who is bigger than the Beatles? Oh. Maybe, Mariah, maybe Mariah Carey? No, sorry. Mariah has actually had 27 top 10 hits. That is not the most. The Beatles have had 34 top 10 hits. There is someone who has had 38 top 10 hits, and that is more than the Beatles. Who is that? Lil Wayne? Maybe Lil Wayne? No. Lil Wayne has actually had 19 top 10 hits. Oh, I thought he had more. All right, I, I give up. I, you're busting my brain here. Well, uh, the, the artist in question would be named Madonna. Of course. Of course. Always go back to Madonna. Jesus, Madonna. Uh, 30, Jesus, Madonna. Lady Madonna. Um, 38 top 10 hits for Madonna. The Beatles are in second place with 34. Michael Jackson has the third most with 29, followed by... Yeah, I knew he didn't have the most. Yeah. Um, Stevie Wonder has 28. Then there's a three-way tie for the next position on the chart where Elton John, Janet Jackson, and Mariah Carey all have 27. And then uh, this will be the last folks I mention. With 25 top 10s each, Elvis Presley... And Rihanna. Has yeah, I was gonna say Rihanna's got to be getting up there. Yeah, she she's she. Well, I mean, she she's so. Well, yeah, she's. I, I have a feeling that she will be, uh, you know, knocking down some of those numbers as yeah. as the next few albums come out. A couple so, more albums, yeah. So there's your chart side of the week. Who has the most top tens in history on the Billboard Hot 100 chart? Why that would be Madonna with 38. Thank you, Keith, for your very Keithy. Charts out of the week. <laughs>
All right, man, that's going to do it for us at the Pop Shop Podcast. Again, listen on Monday as Keith and I break down the 2014 MTV Video Music Awards. Keith is going to be live there on Sunday night. He will fill us in on all of the action on Monday afternoon. And Keith, that was a pretty damn good 50th episode. What do you think? I think that... We had Robin. We talked about Taylor Swift. Talked about Madonna. You know, and... Yeah, Ariana Grande is three songs in the top ten. So does Iggy. That's pretty historic for a 50th podcast. Yeah. Uh, and a historic podcast, I yes. would say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, we're going to go out on my favorite Robin song, Be Mine, from her 2005 album. Thanks again for listening, and take care. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.